we may have all come on different ships, but we're in the same boat now. If you think about it literally, if you go back 400 years to slavery, people basically hunted and captured in Africa, thrown on a ship, packed in there like sardines, coming to the US, America, and they're all in the same situation, even afterwards. When we say that we're allies, are you willing to die for that cause, even if it's not your cause, quote unquote? We need to realize that Black feminist movement should be a part of the Black Lives Matter movement and should be one of the forefront ideologies when we're talking about Black Lives Matter because it's all Black Lives Matter. Hello, UTM. Welcome back to The Medium, The Message. Today, we're on episode 16, which every time we get one episode more, I'm so surprised, even though that's just how things work. But I'm like, oh my God, 16. Um, Anyways, today we're, today, the day that this episode is released, not the day we're recording this, unfortunately, but that's okay, um, is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And we thought that at The Medium, the way that we could commemorate this very special and very important day would be to dedicate a whole episode to it. And with me today, I have Sarah May and Rochelle. Um, and before we get started on our programming, I would love for them to introduce themselves. Sarah May, you've definitely um, heard before, but um, I'll get Rochelle to start then and just talk a little bit about herself and what she's studying. We were just talking about how she's postponing her graduation to stroll across the stage which I think is what a lot of people are thinking after we've seen our past graduates watch their names scroll on a screen. Um, so Rochelle, take it away. What are you studying and what are you up to these days? Hey everyone, my name is Rochelle. Um, I am a major in women and gender studies and a minor in sociology and uh, ethics law and society, which is basically like a philosophy minor. Um, I'm in my last year, um, but I'm going to just stick around until I can cross the stage. So I'm just going to be enrolled until we get to be in person again. (laughs) Um, But yeah. Awesome. And you were saying you're part of a nonprofit. Tell us about that. Oh, yeah. Um, So I'm a part of a grassroots organization called uh, Flaunted Movement, um, which is basically an organization rooted in um, supporting the creative spaces for women, femmes, non-binaries, um, and trans women, and just making sure that we're creating spaces for women, um, primarily women of color, but women uh, women from low-income areas. Um, most of our work is based in the Jane Finch community, which is where I was raised and I grew up. Um, so yeah, it's a really cool space to be in. If y'all, shameless plug, if y'all want to follow us and see more of the great work that we were doing is at Flaunted Movement on Instagram and on TikTok, on everywhere. Um, it's a really great place to be, truly really fun. And I also realized you were on for the Black Lives Matter episode. It just clicked yeah. in my head. I was like, your voice, familiar. Your name, familiar. Here we are familiar. again. <laughs> I know her. Um, and yes, I'm but yeah. also one of the co-presidents for Black Dance Association at ETM. Awesome. Well, we have a wonderful crowd. I'm glad it's just not me because I know I'd get some backlash on that one. (laughs) Okay, Sarah, take it away. I mean, everyone knows Sarah, the infamous Sarah, but remind people who you are. Infamous? Infamous. Am I infamous? No, I'm not. Infamous. In my heart, you are. (laughs) Uh, uh, So I'm Sarah. I'm the um, uh, UTM alum. Uh, I graduated with a double major in uh, psychology and PWC. I'm currently the sports and health editor at The Medium, has been for the past two years. Um, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yes, that is it. <laughs> yeah. I was just making Fun that fact. awkward for you. Yes. Fun fact, Sarah May was, is, was, always will be my mentor when I first joined university. And she literally, literally 
She's everyone's uh, mentor. She was I the would... first person I met that was like an upper year. And I'm like, oh my God. And I was like, I'm so, so confused. I love her so much. Yeah, it's I, honestly, I was just about to say, it's like, ah, should I say it? I don't know. So like, uh, we met via Caribbean Connections. Yeah. So I was legit like an actual mentor. Like it was something that you had to sign up and interview for. So I was legit her her upper year student, like yeah. mentor when she first came to UTM. That's and this was when I was in like, psychology and I realized I cannot be a psychology major. And I said, <laughs> I gotta go. This is not my, this is not I my have, I have a rule <laughs> in my life. I don't let anyone in psychology into my life or onto my podcast. <laughs> I'm joking, what? but like, I'm jo- I know, other than Sarah, and who else is in psych? No, I have one friend who's in psych. Y'all are crazy. I mean, Sarah, I haven't get- gotten those vibes yet, but I swear some of the people in psych that I know are absolutely mental. Exactly. Like, they are the psych weirdest. To diagnose ourselves. Exactly. Weird. So uh, <laughs> I think I think that was your the right a step in the right direction when you said Yeah, that. I was like, my mental, I don't have the mental capacity to be a psychology major. Sarah's like, frowning. She's like, you're hurting my feelings right now. No, Sarah, it seems like the most level-headed person I've ever met in my whole entire life. Like, yeah. I've never seen her past... Like, she's so level-headed. I think she's oh. the most sane psychology major that I've met, to be honest. I'm like, no, yeah. 100% she is. Like, no, no. And I honestly... I try to think of another one of my program that's, that's, that's crazy, but I don't... Are you <laughs> sure? Are you sure? Because I doubt that very much so. <laughs> Julia is in psych. Our photo is? is in psych. Yeah, she's in psych. Okay, that's weird because literally every single experience with a psych major that I've had has been either something related to drugs or some kind of addiction or just <laughs> trying to diagnose me. And I'm like, why are you trying to diagnose me? <laughs> but yeah, no. I had a friend once. I was I was um, coming out of the bathroom at work and he goes, I know what you're going to do right now. And I was like, he's a psych major. And I was like, okay. He's like, you're going to go on your phone. That's just how you're wired. And I'm like, what okay. are you like? Yeah, I'm going to go on my phone. Like, what else am I going to do? Uh, and Let every other Generation Z person ever is going to go on their phone. Exactly. Like space, please. Um, anyways, he thought That's he was so big funny. shit, but no. Okay, <laughs> so let's start. I'm just going to pre- Pre- preface oh my god I can't speak this episode by just quickly saying that we have an art not quickly this is important we have an article coming out at the medium um on the medium.ca today called he had a dream one we have yet to realize um and it's written by one of the features writers uh about Martin Luther King Jr. Day um and it includes an interview with UTM professor Zach Ricker he's a sociology professor richer I don't know r-i-c-h-e-r pronounce it as you wish. Um, he's a sociology prof. He teaches the course um, sociology three something. Let me find it. Um, 329 law and social movements. And I think he has a focus on the Black Lives Matter movement this year, which I think is super pertinent, obviously. Um, and so I'm just going to read a little part of it that introduces who Martin Luther King um, Jr. is in case people don't know. And then just a some other things that are important to this episode just to give like a preface. So um, if you know Martin Luther King, you probably know him by his, I have a dream speech, which I, from writing this article, I definitely realized that's not the only (laughs) important speech he ever had. Um, And there's definitely a lot to learn from him, 
which I think we'll touch upon today. So uh, Dr. King was born January 15th, 1929. He was a beloved civil rights activist who fought for socioeconomic equality by ensuring that people, regardless of their gender or skin color, were granted equal opportunity in a world infected by racism and prejudice. So he was like an icon for democracy and he gave marginalized communities a voice or like, I guess you could say he was their voice in a time where like they didn't really have a voice and in a time where still don't have a voice. So that's where kind of like the Black Lives Matter movement comes in to echo what he was trying to achieve or achieved in some part. Um, and so in terms of the actual holiday, which is a national or federal holiday in the United States, um, it, they, became, they began campaigning for it right after his assassination on April 4th in 1968. And then President Ronald Reagan, who's the president at the time, he signed the holiday into law in 83 and it began, they began celebrating it each third Monday of the month in January in 86. So I think the idea was that the, the reason, so his birthday is on January 15th, but the reason they did it the third Monday of the month is because they wanted the day to kind of be a day where people can go and visit their families so that it like extended the weekend, which I mean, I guess that's a good thing and not just putting in the middle of the week so people actually have time to reflect and people can organize um, like uh, uh, parades and stuff, not parades, but I don't know, in the States, they do like celebrations on the streets and uh, protests and whatnot on that day. So it, take, it gives time for, for people to organize that. And um, it was the first holiday in the States that was, no, that was um, about a national figure that was not a president and also the first holiday where the figure was African-American. And so that was obviously a huge deal. Um, and it kind of sh comes to show how much of an impact Martin Luther King Jr. had. And a lot of people in Congress were against it, obviously, for obvious reasons, like racism, which sucks. But that's kind of why um, there was quite a bit of controversy around it. But it's a very important um, federal holiday for everyone. And there's a lot to learn from this day. And um, it's a time to honor him and kind of uh, read about his teachings and what he you know, gave to the world and kind of continue his legacy. Um, and so, yeah, so uh, this year, obviously there aren't any parades or um, we can't really take the streets. We're in an emergency lockdown. So there's not much that can be done on that end, but it's still a time to like acknowledge, reflect, um, learn, which is why I thought to do this because no better way to connect with people on the, these days than through social media um, or like media in general. So yeah, so I just wanted everyone to talk about kind of this is my, this is my, what I'm offering to the episode is just kind of like the factuals. I obviously I'm not a person, I'm not black, so there's nothing I can say on the personal connection to this other than that. I think some of his, all of his words really resonate with a lot of people and he talks about issues in society that still exist. Um, and well, I have some quotes that I can bring up later that are just kind of crazy that there's still a thing right now. So uh, Rochelle, why don't you go first? I'm putting you on the spot um, and kind of talk about your personal experience and impression by Martin Luther King and just what the day means to you and um, kind of, you know, all that. Yeah, for sure. I'm for me personally, Martin Luther King was always like 
a part of my life and like a lot of civil rights activists like uh, Malcolm X, uh, Rosa Parks, uh, Viola Desmond, like they have like have been a part of my life as long as I can remember, primarily because I did grow up in a predominantly black area. I went to a predominantly black school. So we've been always taught um, lessons from those civil rights activists. And it in some, in many ways, it's kind of led me down the path of where I am right now, where um, I choose to be enlightened and like delve deeper into like black feminist theory because of where I started when I was younger in elementary school and learning about Martin Luther King and like what he meant to the community. Um, and like seeing how like that affected Canada and Canadians history and, and also looking into like, I'm, I'm Jamaican. So looking into other activists that um, led revolution towards like my own country and my own people. Um, and yeah, like he, is someone that I look up to highly, especially because of like, he was like a Harvard graduate, like he was like amazing, you know, and he accomplished so much during the time in which there was uh, civil distress and a lot of discrimination and blatant racism and Jim Crow, like he's went through all of that. Um, and still in the face of adversity, chose peace and all of that. Um, and I think he's a really great person for children to look up to, for adults to look up to. And especially during this time, if you, want someone who is like a kind voice if you're not a black person or non-black people of color or white folks to look to him as like kind of like one of the guiding voices um but also he is a gateway for you to look into more deeper issues and also other activists that spoke about black problems or or black solutions to help black people yeah, and like a part of what's very important about the way that he handled things in his time is that he used kind of um, a collection of facts and like negotiations and like direct action in a peaceful manner and his nonviolent resistance and like his words are carried along into the Black Lives Matter movement, which a lot mm -hmm. of people, white people don't realize that Black Lives Matter is predominantly nonviolent in the sense yeah. that the protests are nonviolent. There's actually a study and I think it says 93% or 90 something percent. Um, let me look it up. Um, anyways, it's a very high number that people don't realize the protests are nonviolent. And so his peacefulness through adversity is kind of what really made people trust him because he didn't lash out. He wasn't angry. He was very peaceful. And he also got a Nobel Prize for his speeches and his um, for his uh, work. So, I mean, that says a lot about him as well. Um, Sarah? Um, I kind of have, um, kind of want to say like the opposite experience that you have, Rochelle, when it comes to, to MLK and, and this day. Um, I went to school in the, the same area, uh, Jane French area, uh, but I went to a Catholic school. And for the first couple of years, I think up until like fourth or fifth grade, I was like one out of two black students in my class. Um, so it's, and I mean, like, they don't usually talk about stuff like that at, you know, that young age anyway. So anything that I learned in regards to uh, Black historical fixtures, uh, figures was at home. So I'm not sure if your parents did the same, but they sat down and made you watch Roots. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sat down, yep. even, though you didn't, even though you didn't want to watch it, it was graphic and gory and probably scarred you for life. But they sat down, they made you watch it, uh, made us watch Malcolm X. We have the books, the Roots book, the Malcolm X book. Um, 
it was it was kind of like anything that I learned in regards to you know black historical figures up until I'd say maybe around grade eight was all from at home like it wasn't anything that was taught in school I'm not I'm not sure if that's because you know I grew up in the Catholic school system but I mean it wasn't like it was always outside of school and I think I think the first time really um was we read was it called underground to Canada Did oh underground railroad underground yeah railroad. yeah yeah uh and that was that was literally the first time and maybe the last time that I think anything having to do with uh, black historical figures was in any curriculum that I'd had, even even in high school. I remember the Holocaust being taught, but like nothing, everything else, it was it was all from at home and like media. And I remember, um, I think I can remember how old I was. I was probably yeah, it's probably like elementary school when I started. You know, your mom starts you down making talking to you about race and racism and stuff and I think I watched as, as I, I had a dream speech and I was so moved and it was it was just like why am I hearing this for the first time <laughs> at like 14 15 years old um uh but yeah I definitely and definitely resonates with me today still and the things that's that's going on in the Black Lives Matter movement and how the issue at hand, um, you know, it's been decades, uh, mm-hmm. multiple generations, and we have yet to, it has his dream, in my opinion, hasn't been realized. No, yeah. And kind of going into the next thing that I wanted to touch on is like our favorite um, Martin Luther King speech or phrase. And this is one that came up when I was right, when I was editing the article, and it's called, um, he had a lecture called The Other America um, at Stanford University. And it kind of talks about the inequalities that we've allowed to happen in America, but also this is pertinent to even Canada. And pretty much he says, um, there are two Americas. One is beautiful for situation. In this American, in this America, children grow up in the sunlight of opportunity. But there is another America. The other America has daily ugliness about it that transforms the buoyancy of hope into fatigue and despair. In this other America, men walk the streets in search of jobs that don't exist. And this kind of mirrors the current organization of society, especially in the States, where we have these nonviolent protesters of the Black, like supporting the Black Lives Matter movement that are treated brutally and violently by the police. And I know this might not be the most appropriate contrast to make, but in contrast, we have Trump supporters protesting violently um, at Capitol Hill, like very violently in the middle of a pandemic. Um, and they're encouraged by their by their president. They're encouraged by the people. It's an organized thing. They're encouraged by the police. And like, that's a visible, evident double standard. And it's like, there are still two Americas. There are still two word, two worlds, um, and the same can be said for for in Canada. Like, there's literally people don't realize this, and I think until I truly started tuning into Twitter more than I would want to, I didn't realize that there's like anti Black Lives Matter and anti like pro pro police um, protests in Toronto. Like, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's even like anti maskers in Toronto. Like, we all kind of push aside these issues to the states and we're like oh it's just in the states but no like this is happening in our own cities um like right really close to where we live and it's just like there are still these two completely segregated ideas of um like rights like human rights right and 
like there's one in where people are like can live peacefully and they're appreciated and like accepted for who they are um and then there's another one where like they face prejudice and they're uh given less opportunity and they're literally prosecuted for reasons that aren't even valid so in other words racism still exists and it's like literally plaguing our streets and it's everywhere so I mean for me that's the most kind of eye-opening Martin Luther King quote that kind of really points out how pertinent his dreams are and how they are still not realized so yeah Yeah. anyone else want to share their favorite MLK um quotes or whatever or whatnot even just ideas yeah um sorry do, Sarah do you want to go first uh yeah so uh the one I have it has I think it has a very powerful meaning both if you take it literally as well as um figuratively so we may have all come on different ships but we're in the same boat now um and mm. so I kind of yeah if you think about it literally um if you go back 400 years to slavery um, and <laughs> uh, people uh, basically hunted and captured in Africa, thrown on a ship, packed in there like sardines, uh, different ships over centuries of years and, you know, coming to the U.S., America, and they're all in the same, same situation. Even afterwards, um, sometimes there can be a lot of strife within the Black community, which I never quite understood because, I mean, who else do you have to, who else can really understand your experience, but the, you know, the person is the same color as you, right? Mm-hmm. So, and right now we're all in the same situation um, and it's more important now than ever for us to, uh, to, to, you know, to stay together. And at the same time, I think you can use that same message, that same, those same words and apply it to anyone in America, uh, whether even, even outside of this pandemic, um, we all have the same issues. I mean, like, uh, same types of issues um, mm-hmm. and I feel like if we thought more about coming together and about helping each other realizing that yeah we're in this we're all in the same reality that how much better the how much better off the world would be so um, that's how I kind of take that quote yeah for sure I think I think there's people have this not people racist people have this inherent need to separate themselves from others like as if it's like they're superior because of something but at the same time really at the root of it all we're really all the same and I don't think it's fair to say that we all go through the same things because oh definitely we've seen recently the black community has gone through absolute hell um for just being like them and like that's kind of where if you really think of it on like an elementary point of view yes we should all be kind of going through the same thing in terms of like um just life but it comes to the point where we all live differently and face different adversities because of various factors that often are very wrong so yeah Rochelle but yeah um for me it's not so much a quote but it's more so like a whole piece of work a whole body of work and um it's the letter from Birmingham jail um and the reason why that particularly spoke out to me was the, like, there's a part in it, and I can't quote it right now because I don't have it at hand, like, directly quote it, but I can paraphrase it. And basically he's saying, if you're, like, don't, if you're going to protest, do it peacefully. And if you're going to do civil disobedience, do it peacefully, but just know that you have to be willing to go to jail for it. 
and you have to be willing to seek repercussions for it. And then he also like in likeness talked about like the Holocaust and um, folks that kept Jewish people in, in safe houses or like took care of them knowing that it was illegal. And it's like, just because the government says something that is illegal doesn't mean that it's right, right? And the reason why that was so important for me was because if like causes like this Black Lives Matter or just just being a civil rights person in general means that you have to be willing to die for a cause. And for me, like if I have to go out and fight for my people or fight for groups that I also am in allyship for, I will die for that cause. And I think it's so important to know that like you have to stand for something or you fall for anything. And that was one of the things that I had to learn to take with my with me because don't just join something when it's convenient and then drop it when it gets too hard. And I think it's really important now when, especially during the Black Lives Matter protest and when folks were saying like, if you're silent, then you're a part of the problem. It's the same thing. You can't say that you're anti-racist um, behind closed doors, but then not show it um, in the face of adversity and know that you're gonna get backlash for it or say, I'd rather not say anything because I don't wanna have to deal with it head on because it's not my problem. Um, because like at the end of the day, when anything happens, it's a human problem. It's not just a black problem. It's not just a specific group's problem. It's a problem that's happening to that specific group. But if you believe in the human race and if you believe that people are people, then you should stand up for human beings. Um, and that's all that Martin Luther King wanted, right? Was like for all of us to stand together as human beings and fight with each other and for each other. Um, not fight with each other, but like fight standing next to alongside yes. each other um, and fighting for each other and knowing that at the end of the day, liberation for one is liberation for all. And knowing that once we are able to break down these systems of oppressions that actually keep people in bondage, we're able to move past it and we're able to live in a more free world. Um, and that's just really important overall. And that's something that we should be thinking about when we say that we're allies. Are you willing to die for that cause, even if it's not your cause, quote unquote? Um, and if you do believe in humans, are you willing to stand up for human rights and make sure that you're going to be there for other human beings, even if it doesn't directly affect you? And I think at the end of the day, Martin Luther King wasn't just fighting for Black people. He was fighting for liberation for all and, and making sure that everybody was standing on equal footing. Um, so that's why that was really important for me. Yeah, and he says, um, I think it's in that letter, he says, injustice anywhere um, is, oh my God, I edited this, I should remember. Injustice anywhere is threat to justice everywhere. So that's yeah. the idea that like anywhere, anyone being, injustice towards anyone is really in, like just a threat to everyone. And yeah. then kind of like the heading of the article was like the there the time is always right to do what's right like it's always yeah. a good time to speak up it's always a good time to become aware to be aware to um raise your voice to do what's right like there's no such thing as like just because for one week everyone's sharing on social media doesn't mean that once that week is over you should stop thinking about these things sharing these things um being racially correct you know there's no kind of yeah you don't get a break from this. If you're really going to fight for something, you just got to yeah. infiltrate your life with what you're, what you're supposedly standing up for. Right. And then mm -hmm. also um, kind of the idea behind that letter is that there was a group of white religious leaders that were kind of sympathetic to the idea that he was um, to his cause, but um, they thought that his 
nonviolent methods of like civil, um, like his nonviolent methods were kind of wrong. And in the letter, he explains how they're needed and that like, um, although people think that they sh- he should have waited to protest because of like the police, um, how the police officers were um, giving, were denying permission for him to protest. He says something like, um, um, waiting is a form of, here, let me look it up. Oh, here. Waiting is a form of condoning injustice. And so like yeah. the idea that you shouldn't be waiting, you should just do, when you know that you need to do something, just do it. Just do it. Because yep. as you wait, people suffer, right? And mm-hmm. so, I don't know, that letter, I'm glad you brought it up because we talked about it in the article. It just, reading it, it just kind of brought tears to my eyes because there's so much that was said there that still applies to this day. And it's not even just, I mean, it majorly applies to Black Lives Matter movement and other like things that are being fought for these days, but it's also something that should apply to your everyday life. Like don't wait to do the right thing. Don't wait to raise your voice. Don't wait for the right time to do the right thing. Just always do the right thing, you know? So yeah. And especially in fighting for your own liberation, what are you waiting for? You know, like if you want to be free, you cannot wait for somebody else to start the movement for you. And I think that's what a lot of like, and I think that's something that stands on like black activists um, what I today, what I admire about them so much is that they don't wait. They just go and they're like, okay, this needs to be done. And um, it is pertinent to know that like, it's not just in the civil rights movement or um, in Jim Crow that black activists were being targeted. Like in Toronto, our very own city, black activists are being targeted by police and being followed and being um, like, have a, a target on their back for not waiting. And knowing that at the end of the day, they're putting their lives on the line to make sure that there's liberation for all people is important. And if you know someone personally who is an activist for their own community that is putting their lives to this constantly, make sure that you acknowledge the work that they do because they decided not to wait um, for liberation and they decide to take their own liberation in their own hands. Yeah, and that's kind of what I admire in activists that support Black Lives Matter. I mean, I myself support it, obviously, but like I don't. I'm not like a part of an organization. I'm just like an ally. But the point is that they dedicate their lives and every single day to this. It's not like an on and off. It's not a week in in the year where I'm just going to care for my people. No, it's every day mm-hmm. you stand up for what you believe in. You fight for your rights. And it's just like, it sucks that there has to be Martin Luther Kings and there have to be these heads of organizations to give Black people a voice but it's come to a point where that's just kind of what has had to happen for people to finally listen. Um, and although that's powerful, it also is awful in many ways. Um, but every day that you acknowledge that you're part of this as well, you're adding to the voices that are heard. And so that matters. Um, so yeah, I, I guess this kind of leads into the idea of like how Martin Luther King Jr.'s movement is echoed in the current Black Lives Matter movement, as I said, as we said in the nonviolent protests, but also kind of um, Rochelle and Sarah, if you could talk about how the methods are similar and how perhaps his, I mean, of course, his ideas are echoed. So if anyone could talk about that. First, I just got to say, Rochelle, you make me a pretty damn proud mentor. Just hearing you talk about the letter, like, oh my god. I love you. Really? Well. 
Um, I don't know. You wanna, you wanna, I don't know. Start off. Wanna, I yeah, yeah. I well, I think the relationship with MLK and um, the Black Lives Matter movement is that Martin Luther King wasn't the only person that had his ideologies about where the Black movement was going and how it could be led. I think at a baseline, all Black uh, liberation, like people, Black activists during that time were baseline talking about the same thing um, and and pushing forward to the same goal. Just a lot of them had different methods. Um, I think what is really important now and a big aspect of what Martin Luther King spoke about was like nonviolent protests, but he wasn't the only person that kind of led that um, ideology, right? Um, I think now it's most important to have nonviolent protests, um, just primarily because knowing that Black folks are fighting for their liberation and we're being arrested, we're being murdered, we're being targeted for non-violently protesting is one thing. But like if we brought violence to it, we, a lot of us wouldn't be making it past that protest on that floor that day. Um, And it's not so much about having respect for other folks that are opposed to our liberation. It's more so having kind of a safety net to make sure that we are not causing any extra additive harm or giving the people that are against us a reason to shut down our movement or further harm our community. Um, But I think when we think about the Black Lives Movement in general, it should be more so not on the basis of the back of particular people, because I feel like now the Black Lives Matter movement, because Martin Luther King is also a man, and we just have to remember that, we need to realize that Black feminist movement is should be a part of the Black Lives Matter movement and should be one of the forefront ideologies when we're talking about Black Lives Matter because it's all Black Lives Matter and making sure that when we're speaking about liberation, we're also taking into account the intersections of other Black people that are affected by this movement. And I think overall, like the the, the idea of bringing allies along is something that Martin Luther King did really, really well. And like when he had marches, he didn't just make sure that it was an all black space. He wanted the allies to be along because I I believe that a movement is as strong as the allies that are also a part of it. And the more people that you can bring along to help with your liberation is the more people that are going to see your side. And it's the, it's the more voices, like you said before, Liz, like the more voices that are a part of the movement to push forward. And a lot of the times during that time, allyship was really important because Black folks weren't allowed generally in white spaces to talk about anti-Blackness and racism and discrimination, right? You needed to have a white ally to be able to go into that space and speak about it and bring it to that floor, right? And a lot of the things wouldn't have been brought along unless white folks were also allyship in allyship with the Black liberation movement at that time. So I think what Martin Luther King did really well was bringing allies along to fight for specific things um, or bringing allies along for it to be like, wow, it's not just a black issue. White people also care about this too, because at that time, white voices were valued more, and even now, white value, white voices are valued more. So, still bringing allies along and making sure that the allies know what they're bringing themselves into, and know that again, they're willing to fight for the cause, and also know that it's dangerous for them to be a part of it, and knowing that they want to be a part of it anyway. Yes, Sarah, say something. <laughs> no add to what Rochelle okay. said was. <laughs> that's what I mean not like save me from this <laughs> no add, add to what Rochelle said if you have anything. um 
so I don't know there's not much so very well very well said I know she's so well versed I can't yeah I can't. Oh. y'all are about to y'all don't gas me up don't gas me, don't gas me. <laughs> let us, let us. <laughs> so I think I think the for me what what kind of comes to mind when I think about the differences between MLK and the Black Lives Matter movement is the um the development of like technology and social media and media and reach and I'd mentioned this in my uh the magazine article that I wrote um on how, why George Floyd's uh, death all of a sudden, like, basically woke up the world. And I was, as I'm prepping my notes for this, for this uh, episode today, I was thinking about how, like, when, after his death and there were protests, and I remember getting so many messages from my white friends asking me if I was okay. And <laughs> I Same. thought, mind you, I, I, I still, yeah, I, it, for me, it's like, I'm super appreciative of it, um, still am. But it was so weird because for us in the black community, it 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 it's it, it terrible. It was shocking, but it wasn't the first time. And it also mm-hmm. wasn't the most gruesome of murders that we've seen in mm-hmm. in our in our whatever whatever. And I like I'm very appreciative, but there was no sympathy back then. Mm-hmm. Like no one asked us, Hey, are you okay? Or you know what I mean? It's I I loved it, but it was still it was so super weird and I don't think mm-hmm. it would have happened in any other time had there not been a pandemic and if we didn't if social mm-hmm. media didn't have the reach that it does now um, I and I think on a large like you had people in freaking the UK talking about black lives movement they were mm-hmm. dedicating YouTube videos popular influencers all over the place like it was I had never seen anything like this in my lifetime and I don't think MLK would have thought would have they seen it I mean it was yes it was like a U.S. issue well it's still an issue but I mean like I don't think he could have foresaw it being a global thing we've got people all over the world talking about it yeah. and I think that's really important and I think uh, I've got a background in, in sports and I think that it's even more important for for these prominent people these influencers to talk about it because as you were saying um, uh, Liz and, and Rochelle about having, you know, someone in these spaces to advocate for you in spaces that you wouldn't be able to, to be in yourself. And so I think the biggest example I've seen of, of an organization that has done a really good job, especially, um, I mean, they've always, they've, they've done this for a number of years, but the NBA. So this mm-hmm. past summer, they allowed their, um, their players to wear, uh, like, uh, so like what is it social justice uh, quotes and stuff on their jerseys instead of their names well they had their names but they they got to choose the quotes that they wanted um, and they the court was decorated out black lives matter they had uh, a, it was a big media push uh, lots of commercials lots of um, like players of all different ethnics in the organization talking about the black lives uh, matter movement and whatnot and I don't know what a lot of people don't know is that um, I think the last couple of years they, they do celebrate MLK Day. So it's a big media push. Uh, all the sports channels, um, and it's just the NBA. There is there's no other organization that like like that does this. So the only other special- person I saw was Naomi Osaka. She was wearing for I think it was the US Open or Australian Open final. She was wearing each day. She got to the final, which kind of realized her idea of wearing the masks with all yeah. the 
you know, the victims of, um, I think it was, I think they were all police brutality, but, or violence. Yeah. So she was wearing that. And that's the only other, yeah. I didn't know that, that NBA did that. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, obviously do- I saw examples, but I didn't know it was like a big, Wow. It's a big thing. Yeah, it's a big thing that they, they've been doing every year for the last couple of years. So the court is usually decked out. They usually have um, like testimonials from both like um, individuals of all ethnic. So they're like, they'll talk about um, MLK. They'll say quotes. They'll ask people, you know, what MLK means to them. And it's great because you hear so many different voices because the NBA is, I guess it's predominantly black, but I mean, like there's also a lot of other ethnics, a lot of Europeans. And to hear what their thoughts on it is is great. And on a large scale, because a lot of people look up to them. They even have MLK jerseys. Each team has like a themed Martin Luther King jersey that they wear <laughs> on like, That's they so br- cute. take it out. Like, and it, it's, it goes, it's a thing that's like, it's not the same one every year. Like every year money goes into designing an MLK jersey. Like, and I think that's super important because someone like me who, I mean, I'm not gonna say my childhood was, was terrible, but I mean like who grew up in a predominantly <laughs> mm-hmm. white educational system. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like for someone who looks if you're if you're in the same boat, you're you're watching your favorite player, LeBron James, talking about MLK and and wearing his jersey and like that is so important. So important in terms of not just representation, but learning about your history, learning about these important figures. Um, because they're not going to do that in schools. They don't do that. In yeah. Schools. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, that 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 I think is, and it, it's an organization. The entire organization. It's like, yeah. and you take a knee during a football game, you get booed. Yeah. <laughs> like. It's, oh my it's, god. <laughs> football. It's, it's, mm. Yeah, it's the only organization in sport that really just actually makes an effort. Um, yeah. So. And also something that uh, Professor Ricker brought up in the article was that um, MLK was never kind of fully satisfied with his progress. And this is something I actually live by in my life. I I like never have enough, not in like a toxic way, but it's just like there's always room for more. And I see Mm -hmm. the same thing in the current movement, uh, Black Lives Matter movement. There's always room for more change. And the thing that was very kind of, again, other than the nonviolence and using his words, he was also never like negative or pessimistic or like cynical about everything that was going on. Mm-hmm. That was like such an important quality because, because he kind of foreshadowed the idea that the work that he was doing would last a long time, but not in like a cocky yeah. way. Like he just knew that what he was doing mattered. And so every little thing counted and every little thing was a step in the right direction. So that's something that's echoed today. And I feel like not, I feel like a lot is being done, but there's not enough support for it to actually live out its true like life expectancy, if you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like there's so much more, so much more support that could happen. That's more than just like, and this is something I talk, I think about a lot, the idea that like people started reaching out people started talking about this because George Floyd was brutally murdered at the hands of the police. This should have been something that we were openly talking about this whole entire time. This is something that should be in our education systems. And it's not, and it probably won't be for a long time. And I know like um, Janae, who we talked to in our um, Black Lives Matter episode, which I recommend everyone goes to listen to, um, there's a need for these, anti-racist courses and she actually has a petition which is in our bio at 
um, the message UTM. I never took it off. It's always there to sign. And it just kind of calls for this anti-racism course required for all university students. And people are like, oh, but like, it's annoying. Like I will have to, it's, it's literally a three-day workshop, like chill. Yeah. And like, we need that. Like we need that education because when you come to university, you're, well, not everyone, but a lot of people are freed from kind of their parents and you start to, um, form or hopefully reform some of your standards and some of your kind of um the way that you're exactly and I think that calls for a great opportunity to have these these resources available for people to learn about other people and not just be submerged in what their parents think or or the community that they grew up in and so that's definitely been the case with me like I've learned so much more about the world being in university than I did in high school because yeah there will never be that education system in high school. I mean, I really fucking hope there would be, but there never will be any kind of anti-racism, just yeah. knowing who's at the head of our education head system. Like, yeah. no. no. Um, but university presents this opportunity that, again, it sucks who's on our board of directors. Um, and it echoes that idea of just like, white supremacy and the whole idea of that, like white yeah. people rule the world. But there's still lots of room. So go sign that petition in our bio and just like, Please. even just read about it. Just kind of, yeah. don't just sign it, read the description, um, reach out to Janae. She's so nice. She's, I also wrote an article about her. So if you want to read that, it's on yeah. the medium.ca, but there's so much more to be done. Um, and yeah. And then the next thing I want to talk about is today specifically, um, January 18th. Um, so Professor Ricker says that today is an opportunity for people to revisit some of his ideas and quotes that are online. Um, and I guess go look at the NBA Instagram page because that'll be a blast today, apparently. <laughs> um, and then also for discussions to be held to appreciate his legacy and what he fought for. But um, Rochelle and Sarah just touch upon kind of what others can do today. Um, yeah. Um, Sarah, you wanna go? Uh, yeah. Um educate yourself. I think Mm -hmm. that's, that's the big thing. And I know even if you're not a person of color, uh, don't be afraid to ask questions. I mean, if you're, I, we would rather you like take the time to learn and to understand than to be ignorant. I mean, uh, our first step out of ignorancy, whatever it is, um, is education. So just educate yourself talk to your black friends, ask them questions. I, I know any of my white friends listening to this, you wanna ask me a question specific to my experience, 100% I will answer, don't be shy, don't be afraid, don't feel like it's it's um, invasive or whatever it is. I, I want you to understand and it's important that you do understand because understanding helps us or allows people to be more empathetic um, and it's, it's a first step towards change because maybe yeah. um, you go on to to be a policymaker or some higher up in government and you have this education under your belt, uh, these experiences, this empathy that you've acquired or I don't know, how do you, yes, empathetic. Just gonna leave it at that. Um, But yeah, education is huge. And I also want to note though that this is something that I kind of had the opportunity of talking with one of my really close work friends who's a black woman herself. And I think what she kind of communicated with me is that black people are not, it's not their job to tell you 
to fight for them. And it's not their job to explain these things. Like, yes, Sarah's literally the kindest person I know. So she will willingly talk to you about these things. But a lot of people are hurting right now or we're hurting or, you know, will always hurt for these things. Um, and I mean, black people. So be careful with how you present your question. It shouldn't be like an attack or like a blatant, just like misunderstanding. Like just be careful and just realize that it's not there job to educate you and perhaps in some cases you should educate yourself and there's so many resources online i mean of course make sure that they're reliable and written by people that have experience that's the thing a lot of um and i think we talked about this in the black lives matter um episode where like courses on black lives matter movement are taught by white professors and it sucks um (laughs) and i know like i just um i mean someone has to do it i wish it wasn't then uh Professor Ricker is very, very white, but the one thing about him is that he's young. So that kind of brings a little more hope to me. Um, Not much, Um, but just kind of make sure that your sources are reliable and that, um, yeah, I think uh, definitely the Black Student Association Instagram page is a good place to go. I think you have resources on there for sure. Yeah, we Um, have resources for mental health. We have resources for a whole bunch of uh, things if y'all want to check that out. And then also the Black Lives Matter, their website has so many resources and they, if you're kind of new to this, um, definitely read up on there and just kind of make sure you listen to the right voices um, and filter out. There's so much shit on the internet, especially Twitter. Don't go to Twitter if you want to learn anything because you'll just end up getting confused. Um, But yeah, just there's so many right and wrong ways to educate yourself, but do it. Do it while you're young before you kind of your standards set in and yeah 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 uh rochelle um yeah i i agree with in that case of like do it while you're young my mom always says you can't teach an old dog new tricks um (laughs) and once you get to a certain age you can't um some concepts are just harder to get um and yeah i was also gonna say make sure that if you're going to your black friends and like again sarah is actually one of the nicest people on earth and she's a saint her, yeah. she will answer <laughs> your questions but like sometimes you're gonna meet um someone like me who's at their capacity sometimes because i am doing work within certain spaces and it's kind of like you want to be able to have some time to get away and if you know that um you have questions make sure that you ask them if they have capacity to answer that question first because mm-hmm. not we don't like we it's easy to say right now that we can answer your questions, but then like on that specific day, something horrible could happen to our community and we cannot be the encyclopedia for all things black at that time and that point in time, you know? Um, But I think for me, um, not on Martin Luther King Day, don't just look at Martin Luther King, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. Understand that Martin Luther King doesn't, he was speaking for black liberation as a whole for all black people but there are things that we still like at that time were not uh coined terms or coined terms within his vocabulary um that he could talk about right and and look into the intersections of blackness and understand that not all experiences within the black community are the same um looking into black feminist theory and understanding how you can properly support folks Um, especially because when we look at the Black Lives Movement, a lot of it is ran by Black women and knowing that a lot of the burden sometimes is on Black women and remembering that and and understanding that at the end of the day, misogynoir riddles a lot of our spaces and we have to remember that we 
do perpetrate anti-blackness even if you are a black person if you're a non-black person of color if you are a white person we do perpetrate all these negative things and it's about unlearning and it doesn't just if you want to start it starts on that day but it doesn't stop after it hits midnight and it's no longer martin luther king day um and understanding at the end of the day google is free um you can google (laughs) black authors and you can say ayo i want to really learn about this thing uh, let me go read a book because I am not very eloquent in the way that I speak. Um, Janae, I love that girl. Oh also, it's Janae J-H on Instagram. J-A-H-N-A-E-J-H on Instagram. Y'all should go follow her. She's amazing. She's um, amazing. But she is like one of the most eloquent people I've ever met in my whole entire life. And the way that she puts forms, things together and theories together makes me so proud to even be her friend mm-hmm. and even know her. And she has but the like, best style too. Yeah, so just oh, follow amazing. her for that if anything. Oh, please. I know. But like there are but like there are people that are in these spaces like I do not think I'm the most eloquent speaker when it comes to certain things. I, I'm very much my brain is a uh, dizzy a lot of the time. It's like Swiss cheese sometimes. But like <laughs> not everyone is able to form coherent thoughts and be able to make it palatable for you to be able to understand it but then also like being able to learn that you are going to get offended when someone calls you anti-black and you don't know that you're anti-black or say that hey you're not anti-racist you're actually pretty racist and you have a lot of ideals that are racist but knowing that you have to confront your implicit biases and understand that if you are going to come into the black space to be an ally you have to know that you're going to be confronted with what is at your own front door and you're gonna have to be okay with that. And you can't get offended when someone calls you out or calls you in. You have to be very open to the fact that you are going to get shot on if you have some ideals that you didn't think were anti-Black. And you're gonna have to be okay with that because that's a part of unlearning. Um, So yeah, that's one of the things that I would recommend. Just be open and receptive. And also just know that it doesn't stop with Black men who run the liberation movement. There are Black women, there are Black trans women, there are Black non-binary folks learn from all of their experiences and read about all their experiences so you can have a fully encompassing multifaceted idea of what the black identity is yep um and kind of the next point i wanted to talk about was like kind of what rochelle just said just like the idea that this should be an everyday thing um and i want to highlight i have a friend and i'm not sure if i'm allowed to share this resource i will ask her if i can but it's called anti-racism resources for white people and Mm -hmm. i love that she sent this to me i mean i did ask her to send me something this was like back in march or whatever um and i will ask her if i can share this with you but pretty much first it talks about resources for white parents to raise anti-racist children which i'm not a parent so i can't relate but please Mm -hmm. read that. And then it goes on to um, a lot of kind of videos and podcasts and I just want to, and books, and I just want to maybe if each of you can highlight some, and I would like to first highlight some here. Um, uh, So articles to read, she gives America's racial contrast is killing us by Adam Serwer on the Atlantic, which is a came out in May. And I'm sure there's other ones. Um, There's a series that I know about, um, uh, the New York Times, I think, or the New Yorker. I think it's the New York Times. It's called the, the 1619 Project. Um, and it's like a, a bunch of articles um, that are definitely very educative. So that, um, and then podcasts. Oh, oh, and then the 1619 has a podcast as well. So that's a podcast. And then um, 
uh, anyways, can you guys share some books or maybe articles or podcasts that people can um, read or subscribe to or even movies? Um, I know there's one called 13th on Netflix um, that I've watched. Um, yeah. And then uh, there's one also called, I think it's called Dear White People also on Netflix. Um, so yeah, anything you guys want to share? Um, Sarah, do you want to go first or I can go first? Uh, yeah, you can go first. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so I would recommend Ain't I a Woman by Bell Hooks, um, who is an amazing, 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 I'm going to keep saying amazing, like by a <laughs> um, Black feminist. Um, and she just speaks about um, all that all encompass uh, space of being a Black woman and what that means. And um, I feel like that's really important in understanding the movement. Um, the 13th is also a really great documentary on Netflix talking about the 13th Amendment in America um, and how that has affected the Black community heavily. Um, I think just in general, like if you were to just go into like a lot of spaces, there's a amazing YouTuber. Um, a lot of her points are very um, not. I don't. What's the right word? A lot of her. A lot of her ideologies are similar to mine, but also a lot of the things that she says are very different to what I, I believe in, which is important to have diverse, diverse thought. Um, but her name is Cat Black. Um, she's a YouTuber. Um, and she's a Black trans woman on the platform, um, just talking about a whole bunch of different varying topics. Um, and she also identifies as a Black feminist. So I also think she's really cool. But I think if you were to just Google uh, Black uh, liberation thought or, or Black movement or Black uh, socialist movements, uh, you were able to find a whole bunch of different resources um, in those spaces. But Bell Hooks is really great. And like, obviously, Kimberly Crenshaw is the GOAT. So you should check her out, obviously, because she literally coined the term intersectionality. So uh, looking into those those folks, I think would be cool. I just messaged my friend Mame, who put together this anti-racism resources for white people. And I will put that in our Instagram. She gave me permission. I will put it in the message UTM Instagram bio. Um, it'll stay there for as long as you need it. Um, and again, it just has books, podcasts, films, organizations to follow on social media, which is also very important so that instead of your Instagram, this is what I do. I cleanse my Instagram feed. I only follow like a hundred people on my personal Instagram because I, I just cannot stand bullshit. I'm sorry guys, but I just, if you're not interesting, I don't follow you, but I've started following more kind of activism groups and groups that share important things on, on my feed. So I would recommend that for anyone, make sure that what comes up on your feed every single day is something that is of significant importance and can actually make your life better and not just clutter your brain. So uh, look out for those organizations in that document. Um, and yeah, just, oh, there's so much. Uh, Sarah, any of your favorites you want to share? Um, a lot of mine are, are either like classics or like, like nonfiction fiction. Um, so the first one that came to mind, um, I'm not sure how, how it, I, I'm pretty sure it's not very uh, relatable to like liberation, but the book of Negroes, you've read that? Yeah, that's a really yeah. good book. Yeah. <laughs> um, the book of Negroes, um, I'm not sure many people are going to have the stomach for beloved. Um, uh, have you heard of, have you ever read Beloved by uh, Tony, Tony Morrison? No. Uh, listen, um, did I make it through? I did not make it through that book. I said, this is too much for me. I know, I, I know. It's also, but it's also very, 
realistic in terms of the experience yeah of what, it's amazing so, but the oof Jesus. yeah but it takes it unless you know, if you don't have a so- strong stomach i wouldn't recommend i wouldn't recommend it um the color purple um yeah. listing off all the things let me check my bookshelf what else do i have um okay i've got my probably in one of my other bookshelves but um uh Malcolm X, even just like a synopsis or something yeah um, anything by angela davis as well i, I forgot yeah. to chime in yeah. about her um who else um and also like take the time today and not just today to actually read martin luther king's speeches not just I have a dream. There's so many, and not only speeches, he also has like written works and things. And as we talked about earlier, these things apply to your everyday life. The idea of standing up for what's right, doing it now, like it applies to your everyday life and just more than just listening, listening. I mean, I'm sure we interpret it and (laughs) communicate it and beautifully, but just actually read his actual prose and just kind of go from there. Yeah. Sarah, any more, did any more come to mind? At the top of my head, no, I'm so sorry. I need okay. to check my bookshelf, which is like, well, one of my other bookshelves. <laughs> but That's yeah. okay. What's that? What was that series on Netflix about the boys? Um, when They See Us? I was going to also recommend that, When They See Us. Um, I, I watched a little bit of it. Is it good? I watched a bit amazing. of it. It's amazing. Okay, it, yeah, the acting was... Yeah, I think mm-hmm. um, after watching that, I had when I was working in a space on campus, um, there were like a, not, a lot of non-Black people of color as well as like white folks in that space. And like really just talking to them about that and being like, this is what our boys have to go through um, constantly mm-hmm. being like villainized or hyper criminalized at a very young age. Um, and then when we think about like Black children, a lot of the times people see when we're children, they see us as mini adults and they see us as mini villainous adults. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't really have a chance to be kids, you know, to have um, gleeful ignorance. We don't have that opportunity. Um, and there's a lot of things that I just thought was normal. And I was just like, that's just the everyday. Like, I know I'm not supposed to walk outside with a hood on. I know if I see a police officer, I'm supposed to be extra polite. I know like that everybody has to do that. And especially growing up in the area that I had, I, I, I am in currently, that was just the norm. That was just something that I was just like, that's just normal. Until I realized that's not normal. And we're the only group of people that really have to do that. Apart from like other like groups, like I'm pretty sure like in America, like Hispanics and also like indigenous folks, we have kind of similar histories in the sense of with police brutality and over-policing in our neighborhoods and our spaces. Um, but there's yeah. a lot of things that taught me that that's not normal. Sarah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, it's a weird awake. It's a very, it's a jarring awakening when you realize that like, oh, this is not everyone experiences this. Yeah. Like it, it honestly, the moment you feel that and it's, it's so disheartening, but yeah, that, that, I, that's, I, that's your reality. It is a heavy reality. And I remember, Sarah, I'm pretty sure you remember this too, when the Trayvon Martin case was going on. I don't, I feel like I was in grade six. I feel like I was like in grade five or grade six when I was, that was happening. Yeah, I was, I am, I believe, uh, I think Trayvon was my age. Yeah. Um, basically, I was in grade, I think 11 or 12 when, mm-hmm. when, when he died. And it was scary because it how it was scary how much how very likely that it could have been me it could have been me it could have been any one of my my other cousins like it it was like 
because I'm I'm sorry, but I love wearing hoods, right? Yeah. I wear I, I was known, right? It was by my family that you know I love to wear hoods. That could have just as easily been me. Um, yeah. So that was that was that was definitely scary for a lot of reasons. But yeah. I didn't have white friends weren't asking me if I was okay then. Yeah, and that's like <laughs> one to bring that up earlier. Like you know, like those type of things where like to practice in your everyday life and to bring it forward in your everyday life is to know that that you have the luxury of being able to just read about it yeah and realizing that privilege and knowing that we are living it every single day and me being literally scared not so much for my life I have two younger brothers I have two older brothers and I have nephews you know and being able to know that I'm they something could happen to them just on the basis of the color of their skin because of how they walk um because of anything that people just decided that that's a day that they wanted to take their lives and I've had friends who've lost their lives to police brutality you know as long as I can remember so like in Canada you know so it's not just something that is just in America it's just Mm -hmm. Canada has like a really pretty way of covering everything up and making it seem like we're a multicultural pot of like love and happiness and peace and and harmonious living when that's definitely not the case um and it's just really important for our allies to understand that like, again, you have the luxury of just reading about it. You have the luxury of wanting to learn about it because we have to, because it's a matter of life and death if we don't. Um, and did like, you ever have, sorry, did yeah. you ever have police go to your high school, like come to your high school? Um, we had a police in our high school. <laughs> we had like a designated one in our high school, like that had an office that would just be around like in his full uniform, um, just walking around. And I thought that was normal. Like, I didn't think there was anything wrong with that. I was like, okay, there's a police officer, okay, that's cool, okay, I don't know. (laughs) And like, all we did was just make sure that you weren't doing nothing stupid to like get yourselves in the way of that police officer. And that was just like common thinking. And like, even like in middle school, like I would have my friends like, like principals would call the police on 13 year old, 14 year old boys for doing things that 13 year old and 14 year old boys do fighting or, or getting into like little tats or whatever, like all kids fight, you know, like it's not just a black thing. It's not just a kid of color thing, like all kids fight, but it's kind of like this, this emphasis of, I remember in middle school, my principal would walk around with a cowbell (laughs) at lunchtime and like ring us inside of schools like after like the bell would ring like a ring us inside like like hurdling animals inside and when mm. I was in middle school even then I was like oh what the hell is going on in this place like what's going on but then I realized I'm like this is not normal or he'd be like this is a 40 60 school it's always the black kids and then we were sitting around being like okay if anything goes wrong in our lives it's our fault because we're black and like me being conditioned like again going to a, even in an all-black space like our principal was also black you know, and having like another black person come to us and he was telling us anything that goes wrong in our lives is our fault on the basis of that we're black, not on the basis that we're having systems that actually don't believe in us already. Um, So like, again, just in your everyday life, just know that things that you do affect other people. Mm -hmm. And the like gleeful ignorance is not enough. It's 2021. Again, Google is free. Everybody has high speed internet. Everybody has 5G. Uh, you can you can do it you can do it yeah and what's jarring about when they see us is that it's based on real events so yeah yeah Jesus um another thing I wanted to mention that just popped into my brain um the movie Selma um Ooh, yeah 
uh, you know, okay, there's this song. If you're into music uh, and you don't want to watch a movie or read a book, whatever you do, but listen to the song Glory by John Legend and Common. Um, Listen to the lyrics. Listen to the lyrics. um, And that'll, you know, get your brain going. And also um, H, her, like her H-E-R. She has a really good song with Corday. I forget what it's called, but that as well. Um, There's so much, so many things to learn in music and books and TV and movies, um, if you don't just want to sit down and, you know, read a heavy book or a heavy article, you can consume media and get the same effect. Just make sure it's the right person speaking for the Black community. So, yes, before we wrap up, um, do you guys have anything to add before I do some final announcements? No. No? Okay. Okay. Go read the Martin Luther King article on the medium.ca. We worked on that one really hard. Um, On the message UTM bio, two things you should do as of right now. First is go sign the petition that's there. It says sign this petition now. So, I mean, it's easy to find. Um, And then there's some anti-racism resources that I just put up that include all those books and articles and podcasts that I talked about briefly. Um, And yeah, um, go follow the Black Student Association on Instagram. Um, I forget what their at is. It's uh, utm.black. There you go. At Um, utm.black. There you go. And then um, I think that's it, right? Did I cover everything? Yeah. Um, And today and every day, uh, educate yourself and uh, yeah, and have everything and go check out the NBA today. I'm actually excited. I just followed them. So tomorrow I'm going to get and whatever yeah. they're up to. I will see it. <laughs> today and tomorrow. Um, today I think and tomorrow. The Memphis Grizzlies have a really nice African-themed MLK jersey. Ooh, uh, that's I'm like excited. tribal inspired down the side. Um, yeah. I think it's their MLK jersey. I'm not sure if you follow sports, Rochelle, if you've seen it. Honestly, I follow just like for that. Like, yeah, like I see oh, okay. it and I'm like, period. Also, like the <laughs> WNBA does a really great job, especially when oh, yeah, Giannis yeah, yeah. passed away. They did oh, a really yeah, yeah. Uh, awesome they did, job. Yeah, yeah, they did. They did a, a really good job as well. Um, yeah. And as for next week's episode, uh, we're going to be talking sports. Sarah, or like Sarah, the one I'm with right now, um, <laughs> is going to be back um, for that episode. And we're going to talk about sports oh my god we're going to talk about sports and uh have hopefully a few guests on just have a casual conversation about sports um that i will be participating in not very much because i'm unaware um very nervous very nervous uh i would just like to say thank you rochelle sarah thank you for coming on with me um no one better i couldn't have imagined this any better than this this is exactly what i envisioned for today and i'm glad we had this conversation i'm glad a lot of good things were said and i hope the people that listen acknowledge them and do something today and every day so with that being said thank you guys and we'll see you next week Bye.